When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Vasquez beaten away by Buffon and then Ronaldo! Oh! What a oh! big by Cristiano Ronaldo! Messi to the near post! Messi to the net! Mamma mia! Ronaldo! Ramel Kionko now. Here's a Honduran. He'll whip it in back to the far post. Elise! Albert Elise! La Pantarica! It's a Honduran connection! is Soccer Matters, brought to you by the Daspit Law Firm, daspitlaw.com. Here's Glenn Davis. You have the dream final you wanted. Welcome in, everybody. I'm Glenn Davis. It will be Lionel Messi in Argentina versus France and Kylian Mbappe for the World Cup title on Sunday. 8 o'clock Central Time. Welcome into Soccer Matters World Cup Edition on the Horn, presented by John Daspit and the Daspit Law Firm. It's DaspitLawAustin.com, 512-865-6710. Big thank you to John and his firm, DaspitLawAustin.com, for this special World Cup coverage. Guests tonight on the show, we've got former U.S. International Marcelo Balboa, the center back who played for the United States uh, in World Cups, worked uh, with Tudani during the World Cup in Mexico City. Actually, they had a great crew with Ricardo Lavolpe and uh, Bosco Aguirre, a really, really interesting crew in Mexico City. So Marcelo's on the show tonight. We'll talk World Cup. The Roots of Texas Soccer also on display tonight with Johnny Torres, who grew up in the state, in and around the Houston area, recently led Creighton to the NCAA College Cup they got beaten in the semifinals three to two by Syracuse. But Johnny Torres, uh, another one of our great stories here from the state of Texas, played 10 years in Major League Soccer. His college career was at Creighton, became an assistant coach there after his pro career, and now in his fourth year as a head coach. So interesting to talk to him. We'll have him on the show tonight. Yesterday, it was Argentina and a remarkable display from Lionel Messi as they reached the final, disposing of Croatia. Um, so 3-0, I did not expect that. I also expected, though, that Croatia um, was going to hit the wall maybe against Argentina. I thought they were going to hit the wall against Brazil. Croatia's masterpiece was their game against Brazil where they had the ball, they made Brazil defend, got past them in penalty kicks. Um, yesterday, Argentina just too much. Julian Alvarez with a pair, an epic Lionel Messi, historic World Cup performance. Messi had a goal and an assist. Uh, Alvarez drew the penalty, scored two himself. This is Argentina on the ascent. Remember that they were one game away from being eliminated in the tournament after two games when they took the field against Mexico. Um, so it's important to look at the journey. So Argentina lost to Saudi Arabia 2-1 to one to start. Up against it. In the second game against Mexico, they win 2-0. They beat Poland 2-0. They get into the round of 16, beat Australia 2-1, beat the Netherlands on penalty kicks after a 2-2 draw. They had a 2-0 lead. And then, of course, yesterday they beat Croatia 3-0. 
in their best performance. So it looks to be them on the ascent. They now have 12 goals, four, four goals conceded, five straight games. They've scored two goals or more. I don't think we were convinced after the group stages about Argentina. I'm not even sure we were convinced about Argentina after the Australia win. Netherlands, things began to look a little bit better, although they gave up later goals in that one and had to go to penalty kicks. But yesterday, the win over Croatia, this was another level. Now, I will say for me, one little tip-off was 25 minutes in. I saw Croatia just really looking fatigued. That extra yard of pressure that they were getting on people in, you know, in the Brazil game, it was not there against Argentina. An extra yard of space for the likes of Messi, Alvarez, um, all the technical players on Argentina. An extra yard of space is a lot. It's a lot to concede. It's going to make life very difficult for you. And in the end, it did because Argentina really controlled this one pretty much start to finish. Guys like Paredes, Fernandez in midfield, DePaul, McAllister, all getting that little extra yard of space. Um, We all know what Argentina can do with that under Lionel Scaloni. So uh, most comprehensive performance for them heading into the final. Uh, 34th minute, they get a messy penalty. 39th, Alvarez. Uh, That was that long run after the corner where Croatia captively was caught with a lot of players up front, captively in the penalty area, up trying to attack the corner. And, of course, it was like a jailbreak. They turned and were running back towards their own goal. Alvarez uh, went from one end of the field to the other. And then the 69th minute is one of the epic moments of this World Cup. It was Lionel Messi torching Guardiola, uh, the 20-year-old defender. He got pulled wide with Messi. Messi took him down the line, ultimately accelerated on the end line, and uh, was able to then find Julian Alvarez. By the way, Mbappe and Messi can do that on the end line like no other, which is turn the corner um, just because of that explosiveness and acceleration. They both do it in, in a different way to get around defenders, and those are really two great examples. Today, Mbappe did the same thing. Uh, on a couple of occasions and was a very direct threat threat as always uh, for France. So Argentina peaking at the right time right now. I don't think there's any question about that. And it's on to today's match, which was a very interesting one with Morocco. And of course, a fifth minute goal from Hernandez off a rebound. First time Morocco behind in the tournament, only the second goal conceded. The first one was an own goal. Uh, I thought Bono coming off his line kind of flapped at this, the goalkeeper. This was from an angle. Hernandez did tremendous, the outside back for France, to kind of dip his dip his shoulder and, and, and slash and spear this volley. Uh, but to get that first goal really was vital, I think, today for me, for France. Because now you dictate the tactics. Now, all of a sudden, Morocco's got to come out and play. And they didn't waste time in doing that, Morocco, quite frankly. Um, they started going after it. It was a lot different than the, they have played up until this point in the tournament. And, you know, you kind of say to yourself, okay, you got Morocco now playing against their nature because you got the game's first goal. Yet, on the other hand, I thought Morocco did good with the ball. Actually, a lot, a lot of the data would favor them. Certainly at the end of the first half, they had more possession. They had a couple of chances. Uh, there is no question. 
But again, I think this was a, a game that France felt in pretty good control. Uh, the French start with Hernandez, Conate, Baran, Kunde, Larissa in goal, obviously. Bofana came into midfield for Rabiot. Uh, Tuamene was excellent, wearing number eight, fantastic. And you got Griezmann behind Giroud, and then Mbappe and Dabelli wide. Mbappe had these moments where he would come inside and then become more of a direct target in front of Griezmann, and Griezmann uh, found him once or twice. Uh, you know, as a vertical threat, getting in behind defenses. Uh, Rabiot, uh, by the way, was was ill. Uh, Giroud had chances in this one. Halftime, the stats were 10 shots, two on target. Uh, for France, one goal, five and two for Morocco. Morocco had the edge in possession. Like I said, Mbappe was a direct threat. And then 30 minutes left in this one, France starts dropping off. They're inviting Morocco in in a much bigger way. And you can see they're there to defend a 1-0 lead. Playing for the counterattack. He can do that beautifully through Dembele and Mbappe. That's a wonderful thing. Uh, France ultimately would bring on Marcus Turam. That, yes, that is the same Turam, the Lillian Turam's son. Uh, he's six foot four striker from Gladbach. He would come on and then uh, Kolomane, who was seconds into the game, would put in a rebound after an in- incredible kind of weaving, mazy dribble in the box in a really tight area from Mbappe. And that would uh, produce the final scoreline of, of 2-0. Uh, so it's where we all wanted it. It's Argentina against France. It's all the star power. It's France trying to win a second consecutive World Cup. It's Argentina trying to win their third. Uh, it is the game, I think, that we all wanted. Uh, no question about it. And it'll occur on Sunday. So a lot of good buildup to this one will occur in the next couple of days. There'll be a lot of talk about the containing of the attacking talents for both te- teams in Mbappe and, and Messi. Of course, Mbappe uh, is going to line up Uh, out wide again, but also show up central, which he's been pretty much a master at doing. Um, So really looking forward uh, to that one. And it is Sunday. It is the World Cup final. Get ready for that one. So uh, Mbappe is going to be on the same side of the field as DePaul and Molina for Argentina. We'll see how that works. Romero as a central defender is going to have to help out on that side of the field. Uh, Young Fernandez in midfield will have to, from a defensive standpoint, help try to secure that area that Mbappe works in. And, of course, typically uh, France is going to have to defend Lionel Messi uh, and see what they can do with him behind Julian Alvarez. He's got it all. Griezmann in in the playmaking role for for France has been excellent. So a lot of excitement Sunday World Cup final. A quick reminder here. LamontBrands.com. That's where you get your Soccer Matters t-shirts. We've got a ton of different green colors uh, specifically for Austin FC fans. So if you like the green, we've got two different shades. Uh, get over to LamontBrands.com. Great stocking stuffers. Great for the holidays. Would really love uh, if you picked up one of these Soccer Matters t-shirts. You can wear it proudly. And the other thing is all the proceeds go to the 501c charity, the Snowdrop Foundation for 
Pediatric Cancer Scholarships Awareness and Fundraising. All right, show is presented this World Cup edition by John Daspit and the Daspit Law Firm. It's DaspitLawAustin.com, 512-865-6710. They are bilingual. John and his firm are personal injury attorneys. Uh, you get in a car accident, boat, motorcycle, maybe you work construction. Nobody wants any of this to happen to them, but it does happen. And there's times you need representation. If you want the best representation, it's pretty clear. It's DaspitLawAustin.com, 512-865-6710. When we return here on the horn, it's Marcelo Balboa, the former U.S. men's national team center back, worked with Tuda N.A. in the World Cup. He joins me next. All right, welcome back to Soccer Matters on the Horn in Austin, Texas. Hope you're enjoying all of our uh, World Cup 2022 coverage and hits throughout the day on our other shows, uh, courtesy of John Daspit and the Daspit Law Firm. John Daspit, DaspitLawAustin.com. They're bilingual, personal injury attorneys, 512-865-6710. Big thank you to DaspitLawAustin.com. All right, on he comes. Former U.S. men's national team center back, legendary Marcelo Balboa has been working on World Cup 2022 in Mexico City with Tuda Ene. Marcelo, thanks for coming on the show as always. Buddy, anytime. You know I enjoy having a lovely conversation with you. All right, let's do this. So uh, you had a great crew down in Mexico City with Tuda Ene. Ricardo Lavolpe, yeah. Javier Aguirre, Bosco, yeah. Mauro Camaronesi, who played with Juventus, yeah. won the World Cup with Italy. Yeah. Jimmy Lozano. Yeah. Um, just talk about being on that crew and, and, and maybe how much fun that was. Cause from what I picked up in the few times that I watched it and a lot of the feedback I've gotten from my Spanish speaking friends, they said this was a good blend of guys. Um, one, you know, when, when you decide to play soccer and you, and you get to a certain level, it's kind of fun. You know, you get to play, you get to meet different people, but who would have thought that, now I, I know Ricardo Lavolpe, and he's we're talking about soccer. He's telling me about things, and he's talking about – he's got wonderful stories. I mean, wonderful stories about coaching the Mexican national team and coaching in league and uh, in Liga Mekis. So uh, the experience of being able to talk to a guy, what it, what it was like to win a World Cup in, in Mauro and what they had to go through, and uh, talking to Jimmy – uh, coaching Nakaxa, uh, winning a gold, uh, winning a bronze medal in the Olympics, and the expectations of these guys really wanting to coach now and and wanting to come to the United States. You know, it's weird to listen to to Jimmy and to Mauro and even Nico, who's coaching Leon now, talk about the interest they have in coaching in MLS and what how they see the league growing and they want to be a part of it was was pretty cool. And then Javier Aguirre. What can I say, man? He is just straight up honest, uh, no BS, right to the point, and uh, just loved being able to to surround myself with that kind of knowledge. Marcelo Balboa joining us. By the way, Nico Larcamon uh, was at Puebla, coach there. Jimmy Lozano was linked to the Houston Dynamo as someone I think that was was interviewed and, as Marcelo said, won a bronze medal, uh, I think, in the Olympics with the uh, with uh, Mexico. Um, all right. Young players. I want to get a couple of young players that have jumped out to you in this world cup. Give me one. 
Oh, well, are we wanting a young player that had a good World Cup, or do we have a young player? I said, I said, Musa. That, that maybe one. has come to the forefront in this World Cup in your eyes. I I'll got a couple. I want to hear yours. Musa's a shock to me that he's still playing. I think it's Valencia. He's still there. I, I'm shocked. I, I said it after the second game that there are going to be some big club teams coming to get him. And all of a sudden, the last few days, you see emerging coming out as Chelsea wants him and a few other teams want him. So um, just fun to watch, powerful, strong. And uh, he was one that really stood out to me. And then I got to say, Tim Weah. Uh, I think what they've asked him to do to play that second forward when they were defending in a 4-4-2, the running, the sacrifice he had to make. And then when they did win the ball, how quickly he had to get out wide so he can isolate himself to go one-on-one. So um, those two to me really, really stood out. Former U.S. men's national team center back, Marcelo Balboa. All right, let's go with uh, young players. Could be on any team. I'm going to start with Enzo Fernandez, 21, plays at Benfica in the Argentine midfield. I think he's uh, kind of announced himself maybe a little bit to the world and probably has boosted his value quite a bit. I I would say, yes, he has. Uh, McAllister, do you want to go with what he's done in the midfield to allow Messi to do what he does? Uh, I think it's Alvarez who scored two goals yesterday, who's with Man City, who stood out to me. So, um, yeah, there's there's some there's some quality players. Spain, I mean, there's just quality players right now. So I think the teams that have gone through that transition already from the last World Cup to this one have set themselves up nicely for 2026. And I'm talking about Spain. I'm talking about some of these teams I think Portugal has set themselves up to do very well without without uh, the magic man that we Ronaldo. all know. So I don't want to say his name anymore. Yeah. So yeah, are you tired of Ronaldo a little bit? You know what? Here's the deal. I'm tired of the poutiness. I'm tired of the of just the attitude of like I should be starting because of what I've done in the past. You yeah. know, the team played better without him, and we said it from day one. They were flowing. And then when they put him in the game, I think he did a great job of coming off the bench and giving that spark. But imagine if you had to go 120 minutes and then go into PKs. Can he play 120 minutes? I don't think so. Yeah. So, you know, and like Messi, yes, I was shocked. I was shocked. You're up 3 nothing. I would have pulled Messi off with 10 minutes to go, given him his curtain call and given him a rest just in case. Imagine if Messi would have got hurt in the last 10 minutes. What would, what would Argentina do now? There would exactly. be a revolt. Exactly. So I just look at it and say this next this next World Cup in 2026, I think, is going to be one of the best World Cups we've seen in a long time. Yeah, the youth is everywhere. You mentioned it. Pedri, Gavi with Spain. Yep. I love Gonzalo Ramos, who came on for Ronaldo, hit for the hat trick for Portugal. Yep. You had Cody Gakpo of uh, PSV scoring goals for the Netherlands. We mentioned Enzo Fernandez. Um you know, I don't know. Well, 26, he's 26. Sofian Amrabat, I like him of Morocco yeah. in midfield. So a lot of really interesting stars that are are, are, are introduced. Um, Marcelo Balboa joining us. Uh, coverage 2 to NA in Mexico City. Uh, also the former U.S. Uh, center back. All right. So let's talk about Argentina and Leo Messi. And, 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 you know, obviously they're in the World Cup final now. This is potentially Messi's World Cup. Just kind of position this for me because you know you're of argentine heritage you understand the culture 
Take me into it. Uh, I don't want you know, to. Sunday I don't want to is a magnificent day for it, Argentines, man. potentially. I don't want to jinx it, man. I don't want to jinx it. Things are going well. Um, they've done, Scalotti's done a nice job of building a team around Messi. So it's not about Messi. You know what I mean? It's not, you don't have to rely on him. There's other ingredients out there. There's guys that are going to run and fight and scratch. <clears throat> I think yesterday was the best game they've played all around game that I've seen them play in 90 minutes. Um, but again, listen, uh, it's, it's one game, right? Anything could happen. How many times have we seen one game? You don't show up. You don't play well. Morocco's not going to be easy. France isn't going to be easy with Mbappe. So I don't know who they're going to play yet. You know what I mean? But uh, at the end of the day, um, you would like to think if there was a soccer god that it would allow Messi to solidify that he's the best in the world, finally with that World Cup trophy. But it's not that easy because the other teams want it just as bad as they do. So um, I hope for a good game. I hope being of Argentine descent, I've never seen my mom and dad so happy. <laughs> you know what I mean? So being half Argentine, uh, you would love to see this this country that's struggling financially with the economy, maybe get a boost of, of being able to celebrate. There's a lot of reasons why you would see a World Cup go back anywhere in the world would help but uh we'll see man we'll see it's uh it's it's a 90 minute game or 120 minute game and uh we'll see who's holding up the most elusive trophy in the world biggest showcase most important sports event bar none half the yep. world will watch it it's marcelo balboa um I love the Julian Alvarez story up front because I think he's the perfect complement to Messi. He's also kept Lautaro Martinez on the bench. Yeah. Um, this is a kid that at Man City is not a, a full-blown starter, has been coming off the bench for Pep Guardiola. Uh, but what a World Cup he's had. Oh, wonderful, wonderful World Cup. And uh, because you always think Martinez was going to be the guy playing and starting, that Alvarez comes in, and I think it just shows – the goal he scored yesterday, that individual talent that he has, even though, listen, in, in soccer, you need a little bit of luck. The ball has to bounce the right way, but what a individual effort right down the middle, bouncing ball. And he puts it in the back of the net. He situates himself. He knows what Messi's is going to do. He's patient, his vision, his ability to find the space, not to get carried away and try to run into the box, pull himself outside the six and finish that. Um, again, I think this is where we talk about, complimenting your star and being able to give him tools around him that he can work with and that he can be successful in. And I think we saw it in Copa America with this group. Imagine the festivity, how they celebrate. Imagine if they do win it, what that is going to mean to these young kids, to, to this program in general. Because let's be honest, after this, we may see Messi, we may not in the next World Cup. Who knows? But uh, what a way to go. But what a, what a wonderful player. I'm not sure he's going to get an opportunity at Man City, though. They've got a forward by the name of, uh, yeah, Holland or something like that. So <laughs> that's going to be that's going to be a little difficult for him to break that starting lineup. That's just unfair that Man City has those two guys on their team. It's just very unfair. Listen, if you're going to play a 4-4-2, you're awesome. You're in. Yeah. But. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I think he may be one that may eventually be 
interesting to other clubs that are looking for a forward. He's Marcelo Balboa joining us here on the Horn in Austin, Texas. This is all brought to you by DaspitLawAustin.com. Big thank you to John and his firm. We're doing these World Cup updates. It's great to get Marcelo on here. Another minute or two with Marcelo. Um, I look at uh, the way Argentina played that game against Croatia, against Latko Dalic, their head coach, Lionel Scaloni, you had mentioned. They seemed uh, coy. They seemed measured. They you know, just seemed tactically in a, in, in a pretty acute place of when to attack and when not to, did not panic when they did not have the ball. No, I think that, uh, listen, I, I said it before, I think in a World Cup, you're always going to have a bad game. If you can get past that bad game, the next ones are pretty good. They're, they're, they're average, they're above average. And Croatia probably played their worst game, I would think, in, in the World Cup that day. Um, Argentina did a nice job of hitting them in transition, quick transitions into the midfield when they were attacking in numbers. If you look at the goals at how they came, they were quick transitions. They were moving on. But I think that Argentina was finally patient. They moved the ball a little faster than they did in the other games. They were able to find the spaces and break lines in order to have Croatia defend the way they had to do. And then again, listen, when a penalty happens and then what Messi does on the third goal, how do you defend that? That's one of, let's be honest, that's one of the best young defenders from Croatia. And he yeah, got Vardiol. spun. Yeah, he got spun sideways. Years old back. He got was tucked amazing. inside. Yeah, it was ridiculous what Messi did. So how, how do you defend that? When Messi's on, you can't stop him. And I think yesterday, for the first time, you saw Messi. When he got the ball, guys were scared. Guys didn't know what he was going to do. So um, very good performance by Argentina. Can they replicate that effort, that energy uh, on Sunday in the final? We'll wait and see. Yeah, that was an amazing goal because it was actually uh, Julian Alvarez who was out wide. Yeah. He passed the ball to Messi. Yep. And he just said, look, you know what? I'll let him go. I'm just going to get in the box and try and be on the receiving end of this thing. That was an amazing play. Do you think if if they win the World Cup, that's going to be one of his iconic moments, right? That will forever be played over and over. Um, I think when you when you look at the World Cup goals, you look at Maradona's goal against uh, England, you look at those kind of goals. Is this similar? It's got every quality that you could think of from receiving the ball, from exploding past him to cutting it back, slowing him down, using his left foot to go underneath the big guy, to tuck inside and lay the ball off perfectly. I would think that that's going to be one of his, or one of the better goals in in this World Cup. Marcelo, as always, thank you so much for, for coming on the program. We appreciate it. Look forward to talking to you again soon and looking forward uh, to the World Cup final on Sunday. Thank you, buddy. I appreciate it. Enjoy your World Cup Sunday and see who wins. We will. All right. That's Marcelo Balboa, former U.S. men's national team center back. uh, Well over 100 caps for the U.S. Was working on two to any. And you've seen him on Major League Soccer coverage top to bottom. All right. uh, We'll take a break. We'll come back. We've got one more segment to go here. Uh, It is Soccer Matters on the Horn in Austin, Texas, presented by DaspitLawAustin.com. Personal injury attorneys, 512-865-6710, 512-865-6710. It's John Daspit, DaspitLawAustin.com.
final segment of the night on the horn in Austin, Texas. And of course, uh, we are thankful to Daspit Law Firm, John Daspit and the Daspit Law Firm. It's DaspitLawAustin.com, 512-865-6710. John and his firm, personal injury attorneys, they'll handle your case. They'll work for you 24-7 nights and weekends. We thank them for uh, all the World Cup coverage that we've provided. But this is a Texas story. This is a story that uh, does need to be told. Uh, Johnny Torres is from Dickinson, Texas, uh, south of Houston, played his youth soccer in the Houston area. Ten years was a major league soccer player, went on to play in college at Creighton, then became an assistant coach at Creighton for 10 years. Now in his fourth year, led Creighton to the NCAA College Cup. And Johnny joins us now. Johnny, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me, Glenn. It's great to continue to see you in, in the avenues of soccer uh, uh, these many years afterwards. And it, it's exciting to be here. So thank you for having me. Well, you represent a lot of what Texas soccer is about. You also represent the Houston area in soccer. You're, you're certainly very well known in all of these circles. It's an important story to tell. But first of all, just congratulations on you and your program, Creighton, getting to the NCAA College Cup. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, you know, we've always been lucky uh, to, to have tremendous support from both our city, uh, our institution and our program. And so it's uh, it's great when we can give back in, in such a way to, to make it uh, to make it a successful season. And this year culminated for us getting back to the College Cup, which is always a lot of fun. You were in a great uh, semifinal with Syracuse. Uh, ultimately, Syracuse won three to two. As everybody knows, yesterday, Syracuse won the national championship in penalties over over Indiana. Just give us a little insight into the College Cup experience and and maybe into that Syracuse game because it just seemed like you guys kept battling back. Yeah, no, it was a lot of fun, first and foremost. Uh, we knew that regardless of who we were going to face in the College Cup, it would be a challenge, an uphill battle. Um, and I thought it was a very exciting uh, collegiate game, maybe a little different from other college games in that uh, – it was it was wide open. Uh, both teams uh, wanted to play. Both teams sent fo- uh, numbers forward and were eager to get on the attack. Uh, and I just thought it was an exciting game. And uh, unfortunately for the Blue Jays, uh, we had a couple of balls bounce the opposite way. And fortunately for Syracuse, they were able to to be victorious on the night. This is a program built over many years. Obviously, it's a nationally recognized program. We know that. Yeah, you've really been, you know, what I what I love about your story is is the dedication to the university. I mean, player, assistant coach, head coach. There's something about Omaha. There's something about Creighton that really connects. Take us into that. You know, I, I think uh, it started back when I was a student athlete at Creighton uh, as a freshman in 1994. The impression that those coaches at the time and Bob Warming and Brett Simon, the impression that they made on me, uh, because up until this point, my only desire was to be a professional uh, soccer player. Uh, luckily, my adoptive parents, uh, Marcella and Carlos Clark, instilled in me the value of education. And so my, my plans changed a little bit when I realized that I could do both. I could study, uh, get my degree, and still go on to, to do my dream, which was to be, to be a professional uh, soccer player. And so uh, the impression that, first and foremost, the coaches had in me while I was in college the impression that the institution, my professors, uh, campus life, the community had on me. I always knew that I always wanted to come back to Omaha if possible, if given the opportunity, uh, and be able to be a coach and do what those coaches did for me back in the 90s, 
for the guys that are coming through the program now. Phenomenal connection. It's a phenomenal story. It is a story of giving back. Uh, Carlos Clark, who, of course, I, I knew in his days, you know, your stepfather, I mean, he obviously instilled some wonderful uh, lessons in life uh, for you to combine with all your college coaches and professional coaches. Absolutely. No, uh, my adoptive father, Carlos, uh, and, and my adoptive mother, Marcella, they instilled, instilled a lot of values and, 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 and core values at that that shaped me into the person I've become today. And, um, you know, I, I, I love my biological parents dearly, uh, but I, but I am very appreciative to, um, the values and, and characteristics that my adoptive parents instilled in me into becoming the men I've become today. All right. I have a, I have a good one here because before we got on the air, I said to you, all right, I remember one of the youth clubs you played for, but you got to tell me about the other one. So the Deer Park Lightning Surge 76, somebody's going to be out there who's going to remember these teams. They're certainly going to remember Johnny Torres, but yeah, just talk about your youth upbringing in, in the Houston area. Yeah. You know, um, I migrated with my biological family in 1981. Um, we lived in Pasadena. And at the time, we didn't speak English. Uh, we were desperately looking for a team to allow me to play uh, some soccer. And uh, my father met a gentleman. I, I just remember his nickname was Cowboy. I think Cowboy. his last Dallas, uh, I think, was the gentleman's last name. But he was the coach. Cowboy Lara. Yes. 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 That's right. <laughs> because Cowboy Lara's two sons. That's right. It Joe and Mike played uh, in the youth club I had, the Hurricane, That's and I was right. involved in. Yes. Donnie Gonzalez was a teammate of mine on that team, and he also played with us on Surge 76. But it was Lara. You're absolutely correct. So he's the one that found me as a five-year-old uh, freshly into this country, and that's how I signed up to play for the Deer Park Lightning while I lived in Pasadena. That's amazing. That That is amazing. But, you know, here's the thing. You know, everybody always goes to the last youth club that talented players like you played on. They get all the credit. But, you yeah. know, a, a man like Cowboy Lara got you yeah. involved in soccer, got you on a team. He deserves as much credit as anybody, okay, for the Johnny Torres story. I mean, that's a, you know, that's it's a, amazing. It, it <laughs> really is amazing. It's so nice to shine the light on that. Um, you know, um, just taking you back to, to, to Creighton and the program and, and you being a head coach now, how different has it become over, you know, your eye test, your institutional knowledge over the years of, of coaching in the college game? Has it changed a lot? Has technology changed it? Has the player changed? T take us into that. No, absolutely. I, you know, um, I think like anything nowadays, uh, there's been changes all across the board. Uh, whether that's our, at our institution, whether that's, uh, in the landscape of collegiate soccer, um, you know, there's, a, there's been a lot of changes. But the one thing that's been constant, at least at our institution, is that there's always been an overwhelming support from our community, um, our university and for our program. And, and that's one of the things that brought me back, uh, to Creighton University, um, as, as an assistant coach. Um, because for me, it's, it's, it's always been important that, that there's that support there, right? Um, I understand there's other sports in this country, um, uh, that generate a lot of revenue for, for these universities. And I, and I, and I get that. Uh, but we are, uh, 
a valid sport in this country now. And it's, 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 it's vital. It's important that we continue to get support from all the resources, uh, financially, uh, in regards to scholarships to be able to continue to push our sport, uh, to the forefront. Johnny, uh, just give us the website of Creighton, because if you go to the Creighton website, I'm just going to tell any aspiring youth players, and you look at their stadium, I never saw anything like that in college when I was in college. I mean, it is just an absolutely beautiful, very authentic, traditional style of a setup for, for football slash soccer in college. For sure. No, we're, we're, we're extremely fortunate to have this jewel in Morrison Stadium at Omaha, in Omaha, Nebraska. And our website is uh, gocrayton.com is our athletic uh, Creighton website. But like you said, this Morrison Stadium is a jewel. It's one of the best uh, venues um, in the entire country uh, to, to watch a collegiate match. In fact, um, I couldn't tell you how many foreign student athletes that have played or come through Creighton will tell me that in their native countries, there's not many professional stadiums that would that would that would hold the candle to this stadium. So uh, we're very fortunate to be able to have a place like Morrison Stadium, and anytime we can play here in front of our fans and our community, it's just it's, it's a special place to play ma- a soccer match. Other thing that's changed, and we're talking to Johnny Torres, who's a head coach of Creighton, grew up in Texas uh, near the Houston area, playing his youth soccer. Uh, obviously, went on to great things in the college game. Uh, professionally, and now in his fourth year as the head coach of the Creighton Blue Jays after being an assistant for 10 years. Uh, this year they were 13-5-6, and six, semifinals of the national championship, 3-2 to two, loss to Syracuse, who ultimately won it over Indiana in penalty kicks. Um, yeah, the makeup of your recruits and things, you know, how does that work for you now? Do you go to specific areas? Um, what does recruiting look like to you? You know, uh, fortunately, um, we are fortunate. We're, we're lucky that we have the resources um, given to us in regards to recruiting. So we can go anywhere. Um, you know, there are many more programs that have to limit where they go recruit because of their of their budget. So we're fortunate enough that we could go anywhere. And to be quite honest with you, with technology nowadays, um, there's a lot of ability to be able to overextend your reach in regards to recruiting. Um, but you know, the, one of the most beautiful things about our sport is that it is global. And so I I will turn over every rock uh, to, to, to find a good soccer player. And really, um, I love and enjoy the part of bringing a bunch of human beings from different backgrounds and different walks of life and bring them together for one common goal, and that's through our sport. And so I've been fortunate enough to be able to bring guys from other countries um, and this current uh, roster that we had, uh, we had um, something like 18 different states represented uh, in, in the United States and 11 different countries uh, represented. And so to me, that's that's a beautiful thing when you're able to bring that many guys from different cultures and walks of life and come together for one common, common goal. All right, you were a highly technical player when you played the game and, you know, at all levels, Major League Soccer, was that was very obvious. Um, uh, I'm assuming that is the way you like to play at Creighton, and a lot of the players you're recruiting now have to be pretty technically proficient, right? And so my question is, how much can you change a player by the time you get them into college? 
You know, it, it, it definitely helps if they arrive as freshmen and they're highly technical, um, good IQ. Um, but I wouldn't say, I wouldn't necessarily say you can change a player dramatically. Um, I think it's, it's vital that those players are getting some of their best knowledge between 9, 10, 11, 12, you know, so they have a good foundation uh, in order to be able to continue to develop. I think it's a little bit harder if they get here at 18 years of age and you're now having to break bad habits to help them be more efficient in the way that they want to play. Um, and so, but you are right. Um, we like to play uh, possession style. We like to play uh, high attacking uh, repetitions. And so in order to be able to do that, uh, professionally, you have to be quite technical. And so that's definitely one of the things that I like to look for when I'm recruiting is, is being able to bring players in that, that are technical. Although we have had our share of guys that come in that are maybe at the time more athletic than technical, but I also enjoy that aspect of it and, and trying to get to, uh, down with players to help them in their technical ability as we progress through the years and ranks of college soccer. He's Johnny Torres, head coach of Creighton, got to the NCAA College Cup this year. Outstanding uh, to navigate that tournament. Uh, always difficult uh, to get there. Um, for you who played in Major League Soccer for 10 years, I think, uh, has it changed? And, and what does it look like differently to you now? Yeah, no, I, I definitely think it's changed. I, I think it's changed for the better. Uh, I, I, I definitely see the MLS as a league that can compete worldwide now, you know, whereas before, um, you know, we were trying to develop and, and, and grow the sport in our country. I think it's a league now that could sustain itself and, and, and stand, and stand on its own. And, you know, when you even look at the players that uh, were at the world cup with the USA team, uh, there's a lot of MLS players uh, with MLS experience uh, that were able to excel and do well on the world stage. And so I, I think, Soccer in the United States is in a good place, and I'm really looking forward uh, to what we can build on uh, towards World Cup 26. You're coaching now. At what point do you forget the actual playing of the game, like as a professional, right? Because you're you're Coach Johnny Torres now. You're not you're you're, <laughs> you're not New England Revolutions Johnny Torres, although you will be historically. You know, you're now a coach. Does it take time? to get over the playing aspect and really push that to the side so that you can blossom as a coach? I think so. I, th- I think it takes time. It- it's funny you say that because uh, whether I like it or not, uh, it seems like every year I jump in with the guys less and less. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know that feeling. Yeah, you know, it's like uh, these days it seems – the only time I jump in is when there's a crossbar challenge or a free kick challenge or right. juggling, but not much more than that. <laughs> I think it takes time. I, I definitely do. And, you know, and, I, and I've learned too that just because you play doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be a good coach. And I've learned more and more through the years that the, the better I foster and spend time on relationships with our guys, uh, the easier coaching gets for me. Johnny, I want to thank you very much for coming on tonight. Congratulations with all the success with Creighton. Uh, obviously, you're a known entity here in Texas. It's important to do interviews with guys like you who have, you know, left a, a, a legacy in in the state of Texas and in the areas you grew up in, in this case, Dickinson and the Houston area, but also the state of Texas. So thank you so much for coming on tonight. 
We appreciate it. No, thanks for having me, Glenn. And it's great to, to see that you're still in it after all these years and representing for us. Speaking of somebody who doesn't want to jump in too much. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Johnny, thank you so much again. Take care, Glenn. All right. He's Johnny Torres, the head coach of Creighton. Outstanding playing career, too. A Herman Award winner in the college game. Uh, Ten years in Major League Soccer. He's in his fourth year at the head coach at Creighton. And by the way, after being an assistant for 10 years and playing there, that's what you call loyalty. All right. That does it tonight for Soccer Matters here on the Horn in Austin, Texas. A big thank you to John Daspit and the Daspit Law Firm uh, for all the World Cup additional special coverage against John Daspit, DaspitLawAustin.com. They're bilingual at 512-865-6710. John and his firm, personal injury attorneys, uh, you can call them again, 512-865-6710. They'll take your case, car, boat, motorcycle. Big thank you, DaspitLawAustin.com. Till next week, I'm Glenn Davis. Remember, soccer matters.